You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We ask God that as we listen to your word, that the entrance of your word will bring light and understanding to the simple. That Lord, we who hear your word will not just be hearers of the word, but instead we will be doers of the same. Lord, we ask that your word will start to do a work of transformation in our hearts. That Lord, as we hear the word, we will receive energy to go forth, to be sent to the nations, to share your counsel, to share your will, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And all those who want that blessing to be evident in their lives, say Amen and Amen. Thank you so much. You can have your seats. Thank you so, so much. So um, I'm going to try and do this in record time. First of all, I want to just say, as it's only Bethel members that have had the chance to hold the microphone. So as a member of Zion, I've come to heal my guys. Zion. Yeah. That's the sound of a victorious team. All these guys, the, in fact, sorry? And okay, I've received the word from the Lord. You know the Bible says that the first shall be the last, and then the third shall be the first. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So Zion, don't be deceived. We are not moved by what we see. We are moved by the word of the Lord. You guys will meet us on the battlefield. And like I said, my lion will chop your ego. Amen. Glory. 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 No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop it. Some people have resorted to calling our lion Mustafa instead of Mufasa. God is watching. Chamaka, God is watching you. But yeah, today we're going to be teach, I'm going to be speaking very quickly on a topic that we've called good news. And if you are like me and you grew up in a Bible-thumping church in, you know, prime real estate in Ibadan, they will tell you that what's the gospel? Everybody said the gospel is good news. And what's the good news? The good news is gospel. Um, so I know that for a lot of us, that definition already rings in our hearts. When I say what is good news, we think about the gospel. But I want to break it down in a, just, in, in a manner that will speak to you directly. Um, because I find that when they ask us to go for evangelism, you know, um, missions when the missions team them Toby and all of them come and say oh, yeah let's go out to the field and everything the enthusiasm that a lot of us have is not that high because we start to think to ourselves i don't know what to share or even if i'm going to share i don't have so much of the bible inside of me i'm not a you know scholar like bws or you know i'm not you know steeped in the world like falabi so i don't really feel like i have the energy to go out into the world and share the good news um so i want to just bring it a little closer to home and let you guys know that you all have a testimony that God can use and God will use to disciple the nations, to share his counsel with the world, to share his goodness, his love with the world. And we're going to just use the classic example of Jesus Christ. So if you can open with me in your Bibles and when I, when I get the opportunity to teach like this, I like for us to read the word together. So if you can open with me in your Bibles to, to Luke, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4, from verse 14 to 21. I don't know, this mic does not sound like me, but it's okay. And can we have that up on the screen so we can read together? Luke chapter 4, from verse 14. So let me just give you a bit of context for this. 
um, Jesus has had this, you know, wondrous thing happen to him when he's baptized. The Spirit of the Lord descends upon him like a dove. And, you know, God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased and blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord leads him into the wilderness. And while he's in the wilderness, he's tempted. And for 40 days, he does not eat. So he comes back very skinny. You know, that's my own interpretation. But, you know, 40 days he's in the wilderness. And then the Bible says he comes out of the wilderness. And when he comes out of the wilderness, this is basically what happens. So let's read it together. Then Jesus, so we read it together. Let's go. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. So let's stop there. The first thing we identify in this portion of Scripture is that to make Jesus famous, like Fulabi said, you need to do something. Return in the power of the Spirit. And that's one of the things that we as children of God sometimes take for granted. Is that it's not you who does the work. It's the power of the Spirit on the inside of you that actually does the work. And there are times when you look at yourself and you immediately consider who you are as a person. And your consideration of yourself as a person makes you feel like God cannot use you. I was listening to a prayer meeting that Pastor Ayo led. He said sometimes when we are praying, we pray with only our limitations in front of us. And we forget the God who has sent us. We forget to look at the person who has... I use this analogy all the time. When I was a kid, I was pretty small. I know it's hard for you to believe because I'm this size now. But when I was younger and I was much smaller, my dad, who was about my size, would come to school. And when he would come to school to pick me up, I would tell my mates that had been beating me and bullying me that when my dad comes, I will show you. And so imagine this hawking guy comes into church and my dad has a deep voice with an American accent. He's like, dim laddy, pick up your bag, let's go. I want to tell him, can you see? That's my daddy. Try me again. Oh. Because I fully understood the power of the person who was backing. And we see how Jesus did all he did because he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The Bible says, because he did that, news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. So it wasn't what he did in himself. It was because everything he did was backed by the power of the Spirit. Let's read the next verse. And he taught in their synagogues. Let's read together. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So again, because he was backed by the power of the Spirit, everything he did moving forward was full of glory, was full of fame, was full of power. Next verse. So he came to Nazareth together. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Next verse. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. I can teach a whole message on this, but come for Bible study next time. Next verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Life point band, I can't hear you. And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Next verse. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Next verse. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
I want to just try and paint a picture very vividly. Jesus comes back in the power of the Spirit, and he basically says to, to the pastor, Pastor Bosola, please give me your Bible. She says, no problem, sir. She brings the Bible. It doesn't matter what they have been reading before. He opens up the Bible to the place he wants to open the Bible up to. Isaiah opens it up and then begins to read this portion of Scripture. And as soon as he's done reading the portion of Scripture, the Bible says he closes the Bible and he sits down. And then he tells everybody, look, I'm the one who's going to fulfill this Scripture. And you can imagine, for people who are used to their standard sort of Sunday, Sunday service, coming to church and seeing this young boy, who we've known since when he was a little child, just come and just read the Bible anyhow and they just go and just say, it's me that's fulfilling it. For them, it was, it was a startling thing. The Bible says the eyes of everyone was fixed on him. And I want to just point that out because the thing about the power of the Spirit of God that we have on the inside of us is that God will begin to give us unconventional ways to display his love to the world unconventional ways and that those things might get people a bit upset but more importantly they will turn the eyes of the whole world towards you now if you have not learned to steward the power of God the power of the Spirit of God well when the world turns their eyes to you you will start to take the glory for yourself so the point I'm trying to make here is this as you give yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit as you give yourself up to the leading of God as you go out into the world, be sure and be careful that when the world turns their eyes towards you, you do not take the glory for yourself. It's very important that I point that out. So, back to what we were saying. The Bible says, you know, so here we see that Jesus was proclaiming, proclaiming himself as the Messiah, the one who would bring the good news to the world. You know, he was, he was basically telling everybody, look, you know, I'm the one who God is going to use to bring transformation in the world around me. I want us to just do a very quick comparative study. Um, how many of you believe you've been anointed by God? Okay, so only like six of us. I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you believe that you have been anointed by God? Okay, a few more hands came up, which is those who are not sure that they were anointed, but they're like, you know what? Since Shani is anointed, I'm probably anointed too. So, you know, I, I couldn't know her. I know how she behaves, so if she, if she has anointing, I, have, I may have some anointing. Maybe my own anointing is like three liters, but I still have some. But the truth about it is we have all been anointed by God to do the work of God. The Bible says you are his workmanship created unto his good works. So we all have this mandate. We've all been given this mandate. Jesus read the scripture from Isaiah 61. And I'm going to just read a portion of it. So the Bible says, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to do this, do this, do this, do that. But Jesus stopped at a point. He stopped at, you know, in his own reading, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's where he stopped. If you read it in Isaiah 60, let's read it together. Isaiah 61 from verse 2. So Jesus stopped at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible, and the Bible tells us that that's where he closed the book. The Bible, and then from verse 2, let's read it together. It says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Let's read it together. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Next verse. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. 
the oil of joy for mourning, life point band, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Next verse. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus came, and he did everything in Isaiah 61, from verse 1 to verse 2 and a half. Go back to verse 2. Isaiah 61, verse 2. He stopped at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The question then is, who's supposed to do everything from verse 2 down to verse 4? You. The way God works is God does I, Jehovah, and Sons Limited. So Jehovah would do his own parts, and then Sons Limited will do their parts. The problem is for a lot of us, we are happy with what Jehovah has done from Isaiah 61 verse 1 to verse 2 and a half. And we're like, ah, Jesus, should we you say you finish work? You finish work now. We're not doing anything again. Let's just be going in that your energy as you have done it. Let's just be going. But God has anointed each and every one of us with a specific mandate to finish the work of Christ. I know we talk about the finished work of Christ. Yes, the work of Christ has been finished. But we have a part to play in making sure that what has been finished and settled in heaven is now being translated to us here on the earth. Does everybody understand that? So let's see what our work is. Verse 2. The, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. And this is where we work. So say, I, Demladiadishion, will comfort all who mourn. Next verse. I, Demladiadishion, will. I, Demladiadishion, will. I, Demladiadishion, will give them the oil of joy for mourning, give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Next verse, I, Demladiadishion, will help them rebuild the old ruins and raise up the former desolations and repair the ruined cities, the desolation of... So you can see that your work is plenty. In four verses, Jesus did one and a half. The remaining two and a half is for you to do. Yet, our natural response when they call us to come and evangelize, to come and preach the gospel, to come and help people, is we're like, Omo, I'm not so sure I can do this. I don't believe that I am full of the word. I don't believe that I am prepared. I don't know that I can do this. We let the fear of what we can't do limit us from doing the work. That has actually, the Bible says that this work has been prepared for us from before the foundations of the earth. So my, my, my job here today is to remind you of this work that you're here to do. And then hopefully to just begin to give you some insight into how you can do this, why you must do it, and how you must go about doing it. See, the problem is that our world in its current state is full of confusion. I will give an example. We were at our leaders meeting the other day, you know, and I was, you know, very actively telling them, you know, government protocols. Everybody, wear your mask. We need to make sure that the whole church is masked up. Hallelujah. And then one of our people came and said, ah, are you not aware that the government has changed the mind? I said, no, 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 no. I'm up to speed with what's going on on this, on this Nigerian plan. And then she sends a message to say, ah, government has said, the mandate has changed. The confusion in the room was rife. 
You go to another place, you want to buy petrol. There's petrol available. The petrol attendant says it's not selling. Why? I'm just holding on to the petrol. Why? Because they may change the price tomorrow and everybody's confused. The confusion and the trauma, the problems we see in the world today are a representation of just how bad things have gotten in our world. The, world, the Bible says that darkness has covered the earth and gross darkness has covered the people. That word gross darkness, I was listening to something the other day, is about mental depression. You talk to people, who are you? They don't know. I'm six people. I was talking to her, and I'm not, I'm not calling anybody else, but some people, they are no longer he, she. They are now they, them. You know, because there is so much information out there that the world has now forgotten where the true north is, what the truth is. Confusion has covered the earth. You know, people are dying. There are crises all over the world. People are forgetting who their God is. Destinies are being thwarted. You know, children are being killed. Wars and rumors of wars. One person can just wake up tomorrow now and decide that, you know, that Nigeria, I like it. Get it to me. And send his army to come and start bombing you in Lagos. That is the state of the world right now. There is mourning. There is confusion. There are problems. There is the desolation of many generations. Look at places like Syria. They're coming out of one war. They drink, they enjoy themselves, they praise God. The next day, new war. The desolation of many... There's some places where for 40, 50, 60 years, there have been wars and wars and people need... They're actively looking for the good news. They're actively looking for how they can be saved. But we, who have been given the work, are content to sit in our tents and go to cafeteria every weekend and enjoy ourselves. Forgetting that a work has been prepared for us from before the foundations of the earth. And that is what we are supposed, that's supposed to be the, the driving hunger in our hearts. We see how Jesus, once Jesus comes on the scene, he has a response to the decay that he sees in his world. He sees somebody who's blind. And immediately, as soon as the person calls upon him, he's like, we're going to do something about this. We fix this right now. He heals the blind person. The widow of Nain, Jesus is walking. Basically, let's say, like you and I, we're driving from here. Church has finished. We're driving from here to your house. Driving from here to La Brioche in VI to go and do Sunday brunch. And you happen to just come across a funeral hearse of people who are mourning the death of their, their brother. And Jesus says, Uber driver, stop, 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 park. I need to talk to these guys. Gets down sees the mother of the child crying and touches the child and the child is raised to life. In response to the chaos in the world, Jesus is actively looking for solutions. We are supposed to be these solutionaries. But for a lot of us, we are content to sit back and just watch the world go up in chaos. Jesus will come to a place and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you are looking for a way, not me. If you are looking for truth, me. Life, me. He'll go to another place and say, as long as I am in the world, there will always be light. That is supposed to be the mandate on our hearts. Telling people wherever we go, if I'm in Nigeria, there will be light. If I'm in Kano, there will be light. If I'm in Canada, hallelujah, there will be light. 
That's the one you say amen for. You want to take your light to Canada. Places like Nigeria where there's no lights. Where the national grid is coming up. You don't want to share your lights here. But your response should always be to run into the fire. To run into chaos because you are the light of the world. Okay, some people are not sure. I'm telling you <laughs> that you are the light of the world. We have received the same anointing that was on Jesus to be distributors of hope, of peace, and of joy. The question is, why? Like I said, there is a lot of chaos in the world today. Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, he says, Beware of the leaven of the Herod and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Mark chapter 8, just take my word for it, I don't have too much time. But Jesus says to his disciples, be very careful about two things. The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of Herod is this. It places man at the center of everything. The same way our polit... I don't want to start calling people out because this is my first time preaching on this stage in a while. Before they now say, ah, they're always causing chaos. The political system today places man at the center of everything. There's money to be shared for all. But one man would decide, ah, you people don't need these billions. Give me. There is, you know, what, there's poverty in the earth. One man can decide, give me the money, let me go use private jets so that I can go to another country to just go and jay. And people are crying, people are dying, people are in pain because of it. What is your response to that? He says, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is what we see in our religious system today. Where God is the center of everything, but God is impersonal and powerless. You keep coming to church every day, crying for miracle, 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 miracle. And there's only one man who can get you access to that miracle. If you don't hold this trouser, no miracle for you that week. If you are sick, no miracle for you that year. And that is, those are the two chains that are holding the legs of the entire world today. The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And if you've baked before, you know that once you put leaven inside dough like this, you just sprinkle it, salt bay. You can't remove it again. No? Once it enters into the system, it is impossible for you to distinguish that leaven from flour. Am, am I... Am, am, for those of you who drink gari and milk, like my Baron people, once you put the milk and the gari inside, how do you want to separate it? It's inside. All you do is you add water, add sugar, you drink, and you go. And gr <laughs> That's my Baron folks. They savvy the system. But the point I'm trying to make is that something has infiltrated our system that cannot be removed. But the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is like leaven. So where we have seen in the world that leaven has been put into the system from Herod and from the Pharisees, we have access to a superior leaven that we can infuse into the system. And that leaven can do a work inside the system to restore it, to restore the des desolations of, of, of generations to bring comfort to those who mourn, to bring beauty for ashes, the joy of, of, you know, the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. That is actually our work. 
But we spend all this time complaining and crying. And I'm saying myself too, because as of yesterday, I was still crying about national greed. Men, I'm the lights of the world. I don't know why you're laughing to me. Why you're not also crying? Oh, you aren't crying. Oh, you live in Banana Island. I'm remembering now. Those of you who live in Banana Island, 24-7 power. We who live in regular Lagos, we were still crying. But I have the leaven of the kingdom. I am a carrier of kingdom leaven. And I'm supposed to infuse it into the system to make sure that the, the system conforms. The Bible says the kingdom of this world will now become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. So if you don't see that in your experience, it means something is missing. And what is missing is you and I. Does anybody hear me? Dami, are you hearing me? What did I say? <laughs> Dami is still discussing Gary and milk. Okay. When your focus becomes God, when the Bible says those who know they are God will be strong and do exploits. When your focus is God and God alone, you will become, you are immediately empowered to transform the world around you. And that's what I want to just hammer in our minds today. Our work is to turn human consciousness to the wonder and the power of God. Our work is to get people to stop focusing on the deadness around them. Like Pastor I was saying yesterday, the Bible says, and Abraham being not weak in faith, he staggered not at the promise of God. He did not consider the deadness of himself or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Our work is to get people to stop looking at the deadness and to start looking at God. But question, if I look at your Instagram feed today, is it deadness? Are you giving deadness? You know how they say it's giving vibes. Are you giving life or are you giving deadness? Is your Instagram stories full of good reports that is supposed, is it full of the leaven of heaven or is it full of Herod's leaven? You're the one who any single time they call uh, something racism, you repost. Anytime they, they talk homosexuality, you repost. You are the one who is helping, to, you are helping the world add the leaven to the bread. As they are sprinkling, you too, they are sprinkling. This is our responsibility. This is our job. So let's see how we do this as we start to wrap up. And I know that that's, that's what my pastor does. You see, as we start to wrap up, you wrap up four times. So just know this wrap up one. <laughs> Let's read it. Matthew 5. Chapter Matthew 5 from verse 13 to 16. Let's read it. Matthew 5. Here we go. So let's read together. One, two, go. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? Let's read together. Come on. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Next verse. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be... Okay, so let's do this again from verse 13. And what I want you to do is, as you are saying it, look to your neighbor. If you are wearing your mask, if you are not wearing your mask, just keep, you know, your distance. But say to them, you are the salt of the earth. Sharon, Dami, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Look at them again. You are the light of the world. Next verse, please. A city that is set on a hill 
cannot be hidden. Next verse. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Next verse. Look at them again. No, no, no. Look at them again. Let your light shine, so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify you. Okay, I, I hope they are sufficiently tensioned by all the you, 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 you have been telling them. And I hope you yourself are sufficiently tensioned because it's clear that you have work to do. Yes? Is it clear that you have work to do? So let's go back to verse 13, I believe, or 14. 13, yes. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, now again, because I went to a, a good Bible church, they always told us about how, you know, salt was what they used to preserve meat back in the day. So to be able to make sure that, you know, the meat stayed for a very long period of time, you know, you put salt there so that the meat will not spoil. And so our job is to make sure that the world does not spoil. That's true. But if you read it here, what does it say? Salt is for flavor. What that means is, okay, so for, like for me and all you guys who go to, you know, high-end restaurants, you go to, please, I don't know the names, but Slow. Ah, yeah, I've seen that one on Instagram. You go to Slow. And you go to Slow, you know, the, the, the server comes out with your plate of food and he's like, sir, what we have here is creme brulee and, you know, um, pasta de la casta and, you know, lightly seasoned for your enjoyment. You know, and then you put it down. And then if you're like, Fumi, you say, oh, you say, hi, Matthew, hi, come. Matthew comes. He says, can I get some salt and pepper just for additional seasoning? Do you understand? Because the chef may not have done it to my taste. So they bring you two shakers, salt and pepper. Let me ask you a question. When you add pepper to food, what does it do? It changes the taste. Am I right or wrong? Those of you who could eat the food before, now eat the food with hoo-ha. What I call hoo-ha. Do you understand? So the taste of the food has changed. But when you add salt to food, what does it do? It enhances the taste. When I was growing up, they would give us, uh, I want to say choco milo, but that makes me sound rad. They give you milo. If you want to make the milo sound taste sweeter, you just take a little pinch of salt, you just sprinkle it in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, these are, I know that. Oh, God. These are, I know. Oh, no, 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 no. You know what? Let your light so shine. When you get home, look for Milo. You understand? If you want to just make, oh God. You want to make it taste just a little bit more chocolatey. Okay. 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 Me, I've tasted of the good word of God. So I know how this thing works. But you choose to doubt me, no problem. But they don't know. That's the problem. You don't know. But the point I'm trying to make here is that salt is for enhancing flavor. What happens is people come into our lives and because we've been to a good, strong church where your pastor is always condemning, you see them, say, what to you, sinner? Change your ways. And the flavor that is in that person's life, you totally discountenance it. But you have a responsibility to see the good, the value in people and call it out first. Tell them, you see, you say, man, I love the way you get dressed. You just have this wonderful way of putting colors together. You know, your heart is to the side. I know, okay, heart is to the side is like 1950. Okay, but you know, the way you wear your, your jeans, you know, with the shredded parts in front, it's so, it's so appealing to me. 
you know, you, you know how to add color, ah, God, this is how you know I'm not into fashion. I was going to say color blocking, but color blocking is like 2002. But look for how to enhance the flavor in people's lives first. Don't be so eager to tell them, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, blah, 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 blah. What that does sometimes is that it cuts off their ability to receive from you. Pastor I was telling us one time, he says that sometimes when he wants to get people, he will go to the pub and tell everybody, drinks on me. You people want to be flavorful? We drink drinks today. Flavor go jade. Oh my jade. We have a responsibility to actively look at people and see the beauty of God in them first and be the one that God uses to extract that beauty out of them. Because people in the world do not know how beautiful God has made them. They look at themselves in the mirror and they see sin. They look at themselves in the mirror, they see confusion. Be a prophet over your life, but be a prophet over people as well. Look at them, say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I love the way you dress. Your voice is so beautiful. I love the way you sound. Call out the beauty in them. Be the flavor in their lives. You know why? Because wherever there is flavor, people know that there is flavor in your mouth, they will come and meet you. And when they know who you are, when they see that you are able to call out the light in them, they will want to be friends with you. So don't be so eager to, you know, cast. And I'm talking to myself too because it's something I've done in the past. You see them, you say, I have a word of the Lord for you. And that's what we think Jesus did for the woman who came to the world. That immediately received the word from the Lord and said, you, adulterer, six husbands, no, five husbands. The one you are sleeping with now is not even your husband, you are the worst. No. Jesus said that as a side note, his primary plan was to give her life flavor. And you know how we know her life was flavored up? She left that place and ran into the city to say, look at me. See the beauty in my own life. One man brought it out, and I didn't know it was there. Amen? Okay, so I'm sure that I'm not just preaching to myself. Our assignment is to enhance their lives. You know? So identify the gifting and the grace in people and celebrate it. Treasure it. Call out the treasure in them. Next verse, in the next verse it says, and you are the light of the world. You know, our work is also to stand up and be counted. The Bible says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. One of the biggest things that people are looking for in this day and age is association. They want to be a part of something. They want to be members of something. For some of us, we were looking for membership. We went and supported Arsenal forever and ever, and we can't get out of it anymore. But at least you are a part of something in sickness and in health. So other people are looking for, you know, and that's why Instagram groups and all these things. People want to know what's going on in the trend. So real, high, real housewives of Yanopaja will come out. Everybody wants to be a part of that group. Because at least if we're shout talking, we can be friends. And if you see people all the time, what are you doing? Ah, oh, man, I don't have anything I'm doing right now. I'm just by myself. Because they are looking to be a member of something. But if people can't see you to want to be part of you, then you're not doing your work properly. So I remember when I first joined LifePoint, one of the things that kept me here in church, ah, 
They are sending the piano player to send me away. It's okay, no problem. One of the first things that let me stay here in Life Point was that the minute I walked in the door, they were all hugging me. And first of all, I came from Ibadan. We don't, we don't really touch like that, you get me? We don't hug people just for bands. But from the door, oh my God, welcome to church. That's so lovely. Can I give you a hug? No. That's in the parking lot. I got to the front door. Can I give you? No. Got to my chair. Usher, can I give you? Okay, just hug me. Because at the end of the day, the desire to be a part of something was overridden by my desire to be a hard guy. And that is what we need to do. Show people that if they can be a part of us, you can sit with us. You can be a part of us. That's why the things that we do, Life Point Leagues, for instance, is such an impactful thing. Yesterday we were playing talk of war, me and my big, my big self, to pulling rope, pulling rope, pulling rope. But I happened to just glance and look, and I noticed that all the cars that were driving past were slowing down to see what's going on there. There is a desire. I'm sure that if they see us there every week now, at some point some people will come and say, what can we do? to join. I was talking to a friend of mine outside. She was saying, can I bring my son? I said, ah, auntie, I don't really know. These are grown men. They are looking to injure somebody. I'm not sure. But you need to consciously, actively stand out and show yourself as somebody who's willing to be an attraction to people. When I first came to Life Point, Falabi, Caleb, and Sam used to go and have lunch every Sunday. Invite me to dinner, bro. Invite me to lunch. We used to go and watch movies all the time after midweek service. We are done with midweek service, Pastor Busola has preached. She has been sweating. When she's done, everybody's like, well, that's for Pastor. Let's go and watch movie. Let's go and watch movie. It was a part of our culture, and everybody wanted to be a part of it. So your job as salt is not just to preserve meat. It's to call out the flavor in people's lives. Your job as light it's not just to be exposing people. We, are, we want to be ex exposed. Man of God doing this, this. No. Don't just expose them. Let them want to be a part of you. Forget about exposing people. Let them come in first. The disciples were not, they were, they were not good people. I mean, they were okay guys, but they were not the best of the lots. But Jesus just said, come. Come first. Let's hang out. Jesus' tool for them was, we will eat, we will enjoy First thing they did when they joined Jesus, they went to a wedding. One jepiza, one, one, one wine. They hung out with Jesus and enjoyed themselves so much. And it took a while for Jesus to say, okay, who am I really to you? But it was in that place of communion and fellowship, membership with Jesus, that God started to download revelations to them. This is the Christ too. And they were happy that they went along on the journey. Because they knew that they had hitched themselves to a good, a good wagon. Be a good wagon that people can hitch to. So my time is up. I had a lot more than I wanted to say. For we don't preach the message next time. Allow me. Give me space. Last thing we're going to do before we close, and I promise this is the last thing. Hebrews chapter... No, it is. I said four wrap-ups now. This is the third one. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's read it together. 15 to 16. Sorry, guys. I know this is longer than you have planned. Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. Go, let's go. Therefore, let's read it together. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. 
giving thanks to his name. Next verse. But do not forget to one, do good, and two, to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That tells me that there are three sacrifices. Go back to the verse 15. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. We come to church, we sing a bunch, for that leads us in worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You give that sacrifice. That's 30% of your sacrifice. Next verse. Next verse. To do good. You get to the traffic lights, you may see somebody there. You say, oh, take this 500, use it for your well-being or whatever. Let's say that's another 30% of your sacrifice. But the last bit of your sacrifice is sharing. Call somebody after the service. Me, Fumi, and Fumi, we're going to La Brioche. I've never seen you go out with anybody before. Do you want to hang out with us? <laughs> you say yes. <laughs> Look for opportunities to share. And I'm not talking about sharing money. Share yourself. The Bible says with these sacrifices, three of them, God is well pleased. What that tells me is if you do two of three, what does that mean? God is no. So, as we wrap up for, <laughs> let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Be content to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Be motivated, not content, be motivated to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let us pray. So like I said, let, let's create that three-way strategy for engagement. Pray, you know, offer our prayers, offer our praise, that sacrifice God is well pleased with. Preach that sacrifice to God is well pleased with. Invite, share that sacrifice to God is well pleased. I want you to think about it today as you drive off, as you go home, as you start to prepare for your week and as you start to think through what the week will look like, start to put in place things that you can do that will allow you to be salt. See that woman coming into church who you've never spoken to before, coming to your office who you've never spoken to before. Call out the beauty in her. And don't do it, don't do it all willy-nilly. Let it be sure, let it be clear that this thing is deep from your heart. There's a way you can tell somebody I love you and they will know that you're not lying. Let it be clear. Preach, teach, share, invite. The other thing we can do is, you know, open up a prayer journal for those who are in your community who are not saved or who you know are looking for a deep response from God to the problems they are dealing with. And write out what you see in them that you want God to do. Lord, I want you to transform this person's life. I want this person to become more like you. I want this person to see you in a fresh way. Write it down. Write the vision down. Let it be clear. Let it be plain. So that you and God can work on it together. The same way Jesus gave us Isaiah 61 to work on together. Write it down. And work on it. And then determine in your heart to invite people to be a part of your club. To invite people to be part of church. To invite people to be part of Life Point League. To invite people to be part of the things that we do that edify our own spirit and edify us. Let us pray. I want you to make a commitment in your heart to God today. Don't just bow your head and then start thinking about dodo and plantain. Make a commitment in your heart to God today to be the salt of the earth. 
to be the light of the world. Tell God, God, if you ask me, if you send me, I choose to go freely of my own will. Lord, I thank you because now in life point you make us a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You make us the salt of the earth, Lord. We will be the people who will call forth the flavor of God from out of the lives of people. Thank you, Lord, because we have chosen to be used by you. Lord, we offer up ourselves afresh on the altar, Lord. Use us, make us truly vessels of gold that have been sanctified, that are meet for your use, prepared unto this good work. We thank you, Father, because we know that as you love us, you will use us, like the song says, so that, Lord, we can make you famous in all the earth. And we can, we can turn this kingdom into the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And all God's people who want that blessing to be activated in their lives say, Amen, amen and Amen. Thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.com.